0: them I was there watching part way part of the time I was watching online and part of the time I was watching in person very proud of both teams and uh, very proud of everyone and uh, as I told autumn yesterday and I'll tell her again that trophy just took away all excuses (laughs) it's very exciting to get a trophy but once you earn a trophy on a national stage The idea that this is too hard. I can't do this. I'm not that smart. Just went out the window. I know. I just rain on your parade. You should be just excited and joyful. But you see, Autumn, I have plans for you. Plans that go out many, many years into the future. Study this week. Hard. That goes for the rest of you as well. But I think you all have incentive in doing that. And uh, Autumn, this is, this is Autumn's first year, right? Yeah, first full year. And already have a trophy on a national stage. Study this week, hard. <laughs> all right, praise God. Let me take you to the verses of Scripture first. Um, well, actually, no, let me pause for a moment. Before I go there. Jesus had some interesting sayings that I think we like to contextualize. We like to modify them. We like to take their full impact away. One of them that bothers me and bothers our modern world is, he says, the poor you will have always. The poor you will have always. Now that does not mean Some of us can remember being poor. I can't. My parents were very frugal and very wise, and they set me up. I've never been, by any standard, poor. I wouldn't call me rich, but I haven't been poor. Some of you can identify with what it is to be poor. And so please understand that that statement by Jesus was not a statement that meant we were to look down upon the poor, that we were to treat those who do not have with disrespect, in fact, if anything, we should treat them with kindness and grace, mercy and respect. But Jesus said, the poor you will have always. That, that wrong distribution of wealth, that lack of ability to manage money, that generational transfer of not only wealth that can occur, but also of poverty. Jesus said, these are features of our broken world and they're going to be here. Another one he said, he said, in this world, you will have sorrow. Well, that's until I meet you, right, Jesus? All you have to do is read the biblical record and you will find that Jesus himself was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And his disciples followed in his footsteps. I believe all but one of them, according to church tradition, was martyred, was killed. And the stories down through history, even if they are embellished by the early Christians to carry out their agenda, they're still at their very core a colonel. Somebody, somebody died. It might not have been hundreds or thousands, but somebody died in Nero's garden, burning alive. Somebody died in the Colosseum. Somebody was killed at the mouth of a lion, run through with a hippo, and all of the other types of things that the Romans would do to amuse themselves. Somebody died at the sword of a gladiator. Sorrow. You see, the reason is, is because Jesus has not promised us that he was going to fix this broken world. He said, I'm going to destroy this world and recreate it. So there is a season, there is a period of time in which things are not hunky-dory. Things are not exactly what we want them to be. And as you heard last week from Desi, he is a king and he has a longer-term plan than just your pleasure this week. He's not as concerned with whether this month goes well for you. Now please understand God is very good, and I'm thankful for his blessings. But those blessings are submitted to a long-term plan, a mission, God's mission. And the invitation to us is whether we want to be a part of that mission, and as a result of that, receive back to us anything we give up, multiplied many times over and in the life to come eternal life. But sometimes we preachers, we've turned into salesmen. And we've begun to cherry pick through the scriptures and we've we've refused to remind you of just the two examples I gave you that poverty, if poor are always with us, some of us might be the poor. In fact, the early Christian church was known By a name, one of their names was the Ebionim, and the reason is is it means the poor. Paul was gathering up a charitable offering from the well-to-do Greeks and Romans to carry back to the church at Jerusalem because it was poor. Sorrow and suffering are throughout the Bible. From beginning to end, it began the moment we sinned. We disobeyed God, we entered into a broken world. We broke it. We don't get to yell at God about this, we broke it. But God has chosen in his love and his mercy to walk with us. And so when it comes to understanding that we, particularly Americans, like strength, we like power, we like authority, we like the ability to do what we want to do. And in this world, we have built ourselves to a place where we largely are able to do that. Please understand, God didn't promise you an American Christianity. First of all, God is not an American. In fact, until the carnation, he wasn't even a human when he did become a human guess what he came as he came as a jew a member of a class of people who were oppressed who were under the domination of one of the greatest empires the world has ever seen in fact i would argue that there is no empire that has been greater until ours meaning the american empire jesus came as the oppressed he came as the one who stepped back against the wall and got out of the way as the Romans would march through the cities and the towns. God didn't have a problem with poverty. God didn't have a problem with weakness. So this morning I want to preach to you a little bit about understanding how God operates with our weakness because here's what I think we want. At least it's what I want, and I have a sneaky suspicion there's a lot of you who want it too. We want God to take away our weakness. We come to God and we expect that salvation is gonna lead to him removing weakness from us. But that's not what God says that he's gonna do. And yes, God hates sin. And yes, he calls us to leave sin behind, but the mechanism and the process by which we are to do that is not through power, it's actually through weakness. We don't like that. We're not comfortable with that. We want God to fill us with the Holy Ghost and then because of the Holy Ghost, we will have power to live righteous and holy. But that's not what the scripture actually says. It actually says the Holy Ghost will give you power to be my witnesses. Huh. Well, I thought that meant I was going to show people how to do it right. No, that's not the kind of witness he wants. He wants a hobbled up, God believing, grace embracing Christian. He wants people that limp around this world and other people see them limping. And they go, yeah, I limp too. But then there's something else going on at the same time as the limp. Now, this isn't sounding very glorious, is it? I'm not probably going to get a, an award for the greatest sales job this morning. Of course, I never have been known to be a great salesman anyway, so you all are here, so thank you. We come with these expectations. And by the way, we're in good company. Let me turn to the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, the apostle Paul. I'm going to skip part of it. He's talked about revelations and power and great things. And he says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, Paul goes on and says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me that's why i take pleasure or value my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that i suffer for christ for when i am weak then i am strong and i know we have read that many a time and we think but yes, when we meet Jesus and the Holy Ghost comes in, then we move from weakness to strength. But that's not what Paul said. The context is, is Paul says, I got a thorn. In fact, he says it's a thorn that came from God himself. And I asked him three times, please take this away. Please heal me of this sickness. Please remove this temptation from me. Please remove this flaw from me. Oh, scholars have spent years trying to figure out what was the thorn in the flesh. I think Paul had several possibilities. When I read Galatians, I think Paul had a temper problem. If you don't believe me, Paul basically cusses in Galatians. You just don't know it because we translate it for you. But he does, he cusses. (laughs) Yeah, that's correct, Desi. It's not the only place. Paul's hot-headed. And you know why I know? I know for sure that he's hot headed. You know why? Because a very sage and wise man named Gamaliel, his teacher, cautioned the Sanhedrin and all of those young rabbis who sat there and studied. He says, Leave these people alone. Because if they are from God, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. And if they're not from God, they'll handle themselves. Did Paul leave them alone? No, he was incensed. He was young, he was angry. Scripture says young men are made for battle and war. Well, he went to battle and he went to war. And he found himself exactly where Gamaliel warned him. Found himself on the road to Damascus, opposed to God. And God knocked his block off, so to speak. You really think since he got the Holy Ghost and got baptized that suddenly he became meek and mild? Well, when I read Galatians, that's not what I see. I see a man that's still hot-headed. I see a man that has trouble not running off at the mouth. I see a man that can be quite passionate. Maybe it was physical. Maybe it was in his attitude. Regardless, there was weakness present, and Paul prayed for it to be taken away. And God replied, no, I'm leaving it. How can this be pleasing, God? How can you be okay with this? God says, because my power, not your power, but my power is not stunted, stopped, or slowed by weakness. But when you're weak and I work through you, you will always know. It's me and not you. You'll always be aware that it's me operating, not you operating. Let me take you to another passage, uh, Galatians chapter number three. It'll help if I get over there myself. So the Apostle Paul in verse 26 says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, when you put on Christ... His identity supersedes all other identities. As a human, I need to show respect unto your distinctives, whether you're male or you're female, whether you're black or you're white, whether you're tall or you're short, whether you've got education or don't have it. I need to show respect unto who you are and where you're coming from. But when it comes to Christ, Christ expects to define you. Christ is not interested in showing respect unto your history and your background. He is not interested in showing respect to your feelings and where you came from and what that's that's not how he's operating, because when you put on Christ, you put on a new identity. And by the way, the starting place of that is baptism. That's why if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, I don't know how you're going to be identified with Christ if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus. It is the explicit identification. It is not a faith statement that you just make publicly and you can take it or leave it. It is not something that you just do to be a part of a particular church. No, this is how you put on Christ. Paul says it explicitly. Then he goes on, he says in verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, huh? huh, now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You see, we like this concept of putting on Christ, this idea of identification, this idea of I got a uniform, I got an identification, I got power. This morning doesn't allow me to take you into every scripture, but let me remind you that when Christ put on our identity, he descended from glory, he humbled himself, he took upon him the form, the clothing, the operation of a servant, in the likeness of humanity. And he walked to a place of ultimate weakness, namely a Roman cross. He did not walk to a throne. He did not walk to the Roman curate seat. He did not walk to the halls of power. He walked to a Roman cross. He humbled himself. So please understand That as Jesus said to his disciples in a number of ways and on a number of occasions, do you think you, the servant, are going to be greater than me, the master? If I, your master, came in weakness, if I, your master, came in death, if I, your master, came in humility, where do you think you are going to be able to do anything greater? The servant is not greater than his Lord. But I want God to set me firm. I want God to take care of the problems in my life. I want God to save me. Isn't that what this is about? Isn't this the ultimate self-help? No, you're Christian. It's not. And by the way, with all due respect, when you go to a church and that is what they offer you, they lie and the truth is not in them. I'm not telling you that God does not improve our lives, but that is not his goal. I'm not telling you that serving Jesus isn't the best way to live this life, this broken world life, because it is. But it doesn't mean you won't be poor and it doesn't mean you won't have suffering. Doesn't mean that all that's wrong with you will miraculously dissipate. You won't become the wife you wanna be or the husband you wanna be. If you're surly, you'll stay surly. If you're mouthy, you'll stay mouthy. If you're moody, you'll stay moody. Oh, you're going, wow, preacher. I could have stayed home and felt better than this. (laughs) I know, I understand, but you see, despite... All the reports to the contrary, and I do like to talk, and I do talk well, and all of that kind of stuff. When I step to this pulpit, the only thing I got for you is what he gave to me. And when he stops giving me something, I won't be preaching. Talking is one thing, preaching is another. When I step to this pulpit, I'm telling you this is what God has for you. This is his word spoken to you. So uh, I don't pick the sermons. I'm really sorry, I don't. Sometimes he asks me to preach stuff, and I look at him and go, God, really? Can't you have Ross preach that? (laughs) Can't Rachel handle that? She'll put a little fun to it. Can't Meg handle that? She'll be kind and gentle about it. Why are you asking me to? I'm nasty to start with, and then you give me nasty sermons on top of it. I'm blustery. Then you're going to ask me to bring that topic through. How's how's that going to come off? He doesn't really care because he's a king. You see, we want God to make us strong, and God says, no, I'll be strong through you. We want God to fix our weaknesses, and God says, no, I'll just add grace to it. We put on Christ in baptism, but then we have to continue in our life that process of putting on Christ the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter number four he says I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything maybe are you with me there we go I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or or empty with plenty or little In verse 13 we love this verse for I can do everything and I think we, we we quote it with I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength but what we really want to say is is that God transforms me into the Hulk spirit has descended I've been baptized in Jesus name I've repented of my sins and because I'm living righteous and holy I've turned into the Hulk and I can do everything that's not what Paul said you got to marry it up with second Corinthians God asked him he asked God to take that weakness away take that thorn in the flesh away. Take that which was not comfortable to him away. And God said, my grace is sufficient. No, this is that we are able to do everything God asks us to do because Christ works through us. It is us through Christ giving us the strength that allows us to do what we need to do. So while warning the the Romans with regard to their flesh, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13 and verse 14 says, Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to arouse its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ so that your weakness is in Him. Now, I, I went along to the Junior Bible Quiz Extravaganza I had no duties. I was not a coach. I understand the extreme importance of junior Bible quizzers, for without junior Bible quizzers, there are no senior Bible quizzers. (laughs) But very frankly, and all you junior Bible quizzers, please understand, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek, and all you adults, I'm not tongue-in-cheek at all. I don't really like junior Bible quizzers. I don't get them. They're young, they're fickle, they drive me batty. But I know that junior Bible quizzers are essential, and I love senior Bible quizzers. So since I love senior Bible quizzers, I want to figure out how to make the best program possible so they get to me in senior Bible quizzers and then I can start having some fun. So I coached one year of junior Bible quizzers. It was the first year out of seniors and it was an absolute travesty. And I have never coached junior Bible quizzers since. Okay? I I don't think I ever will. All right? I just have to be honest with you. So I was along on this junior Bible quiz trip really as a chauffeur and as a pastor standing behind these young people. And I was very proud of them. Ninth and fourth, you all don't even understand how, given where these young people are, their experience levels, all of the things, that was not a foregone conclusion. And I am very, very proud of them, and I'm very, very thankful for the labors of my wife and and Russ and Kim uh, Faubert in helping us get there. And parents, thank you for what you do. We had a great tournament. So we plan, I'm a very good planner. So as a chauffeur, I'm very good at handling things. And so we plan to leave on time, be able to swing by the hotel, see whether we could get checked in early, which I was able to do for most of the rooms. And on the way back to the car, I stepped off of the curb and somehow I had not realized when I got out of the car that at the exact point of that curb, It was a drain and they had poured that drain with a steep incline into the drain. It makes perfect sense. I understand water management, water flow, et cetera. Well, I didn't know it and therefore my weak ankles and I've had weak ankles all of my life. I don't know why, but I have them. And my right leg is particularly weak because my bottom half of my leg is bent. It turns, so my foot is not straight. And so I stepped off of that curb and felt pain like I haven't felt in a very, 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 very long time. I laid in the car and nearly cried. So I thought, well, the pain's ebbing away, that's good. And so we we went on to quizzing and I went in and I saw our, us quiz once. And, and then as I, as I walked to go to the other session, uh, I began to feel my shoe in a way that I didn't normally feel it. And so as I walked, I finally got in and I looked and, and, and my wife looked and I had swollen around my ankle. And so instead of sitting and watching junior Bible Quizzing, I went to an emergent care, emergency care, and, and I because I, it really hurt. So I sat there and their ineptitude was amazing. but anyway, I did get an X-ray, and they determined that I hadn't broke it. And so, They really didn't offer much help, and that was fine. Really, all I wanted to know, is it broke or not? But they handed to me this little device. And it was really hurting. I could barely walk on it. I was hobbling. They gave me crutches. I used them slightly. But they gave me this device. And that really helped. You know why? Well, my wife says, number one, I was supposed to get the foot up. Well, I'm not a good patient about doing that like she wanted me to sit and preach this morning i'm like no i'm not doing it um so i'm not a very good patient but so you're supposed to get it up you're supposed to ice it and that was fine i had iced it a little bit but another thing you're supposed to do is you're supposed to compress it well she had somebody had done an ace bandage on it and uh it hurt worse now this was before i went to the emergency care and then the final thing was is, that I was, is that I was supposed to, you know, elevate it, you know, get it up, elevate it above my heart, which I did take license of that. It was kind of fun sitting in church, putting my foot up on the, end, on the, on the back of the pew. Oh, I'm sorry. I sprained my ankle. <laughs> I have to put my foot up. But this device right here really, really helped because Brian right in here is plastic. It's very stiff plastic. So it slots down over my foot. Now, my foot's feeling a lot better today, so that's why I didn't wear it. My wife thought I should, but I didn't. But when they stuck that thing on in emergent care, emergency care, and they brought this thing around right here is where it's all swollen, and they, they fixed that, then they tightened down the top there. Suddenly what happened is, is my weakness was buttressed. By strength. Now I have to. I'm walking a little funny right now because my shoe and my foot they're not matched up. Okay, and and frankly, I really don't need to do this this morning. I, I mean I I can wear my shoe. I'm okay, but I'm still swollen. My ankle is still sprained. My weakness is still present. But I'm able to operate beyond my weakness. You know what all of us want? We want God to take the weakness away. And God says, "Eh, I think I'll add my strength to your weakness. It means that I am always aware because I I walk a little different. I'm not free. I'm paying attention. But I don't have to pay as much attention as I do when I'm just wearing that shoe. When I'm just wearing that shoe, you watch me. Once I put it back on later on, I will walk very carefully because I know I don't have any support on that ankle. I know that weakness is just as prone to go. And so I'm going to walk very careful. I'm going to be looking at the curbs that I'm stepping off of. I'm going to be paying attention to where I'm going because I'm aware of my weakness. This one, I I got pretty good. And Reg is like, you're you're, you're being too active. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good. You know why? Because I got strength. But you know what? I don't like this thing. You know why I don't like it? Because, Carrie, I can't do some of the things when I'm in it that I can do without it. It constrains me. Now, all of you that thought I was just going to deal with salvation, I'm sorry, I really am not. Now, my timer says I'm done, but I'm going to take about five minutes and kick the pail. Sister Jackie here, there we go. Sister Jackie says, I go and I preach great sermons and then I kick the pail. The last five minutes, I just go kick the pail. So I'm telling you right now, Sister Jackie, I'm going to go kick the pail right now. It's going to be three minutes and I'm going to kick it right over. I'm going to mess with it. You know what most of you are having trouble with, with regard to God's call to holiness? Holiness does constrain you. Those who preach to you that you don't need a different lifestyle and you need to be set free from man's laws. You're right. You are freer. But you're freer to have your weakness take over your life. You're freer to have your sin take over your life. And you're thinking, because you got the Holy Ghost, because you got baptized, because you've repented of your sins and because you're coming to church, that that sin nature is gone. You don't think that way. You don't operate that way. I'd never commit adultery. I'd never operate and steal. I'd never do any of that kind of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. The scripture tells a different story. You're as broke as you were ever. You're as fallen as you were ever. That's why, till the day you die, you got to fight for your salvation. You got to keep yourself inside of the household of God. You got to keep yourself inside of the constraints of God's Word and the constraints of His Spirit. You got to understand that I don't care if you've been a preacher for 50 years, you ain't made it till you made it, buddy. Dear sister, you are not that holy. I don't care how much you left behind, how many bad words you stopped using, how much bad habits you left behind. You take off the constraints of God's strength. You remove Christ from being on you and you will find out how down and dirty you really are. You want to know why I'm a preacher of holiness? Because I'm a weak man. I'm a broke man. Sin has tried to ravage me. And I know that the holiness of God is what will keep that under wraps. It's what will constrain me. No, I can't bend my ankle the way I can without it. But I also can't twist my ankle because I've got his strength buttressing and surrounding my weakness. I really don't like that God chose to do it this way, ladies and gentlemen. I would prefer that the way so many, even Pentecostal preachers preach it was true. Once you get the Holy Ghost, all is better. Let's be honest with one another. Everybody here is filled with the Holy Ghost. Since you got the Holy Ghost, is all really better? Come on now, we're in a safe environment here. You don't have to, that little secret that you've always had niggling in your head and you never said it to anybody because you go to church and you hear him preaching that all is better and you're like, amen. But you're like, well, it ain't for me. Uh I must be the exception. Okay, we're in a safe environment. Is it really all better? You got the Holy Ghost? Brother Brian, do you get mad anymore? Yep, Yep, I do too. You know why I asked him? Because I've been around when he's been mad. Sister Lynn, bug you before you married her? Did she bug you before you married her? Does she bug you now? Yep. yep. See, <laughs> glory, hallelujah. I married my wife with the Holy Ghost. She still bugs me, and I don't know how much of it's her because she's weak too, and how much of it's me because I'm weak too. No, God doesn't fix everything. Now, do do do? Can we improve? Sure. <laughs> but I don't know how much is me improving and how much it's his strength. I don't know how much I've actually gotten better and how much it's just his grace. I don't know how much I've really gotten better and how much it's just his mercy. So you got to understand something that when it comes to our lives, yeah, you need to be baptized in Jesus name. Yes, you need to be filled with his spirit. None of the birth can occur without that. But please hear me today, dear church, you will never be able to operate exempt from and away from a constant, consistent lifestyle of putting on Christ. You got to put on your splints. You got to put on your guards. You got to put on the stuff and does it constrain? you? Absolutely. Are you free? Absolutely not. Are you constrained? Absolutely. But the question is constrained from what? Tired of everybody lying to you. Come be free then you wonder why your marriage ends. Come be free and you wonder why you're engaged in sin. This is a place that will call sin sin and it will not condemn you for your sin. But we're not going to make ourselves feel good by saying, I'm well. We ain't. We're not. We won't be till heaven. Jesus said it. We don't like this one either. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. What am I enduring? Well, I know all of you are thinking you were enduring me, but that isn't what Jesus was talking about. <laughs> Sorry, that's really not what he's talking about. I'm sure there were a lot of things to endure, but at the very least, you're enduring your weakness. I don't like this, I'm, I'm somebody that runs everywhere. Dr. Payton says that all the time. Every time he sees me, I'm running somewhere. Well, I ain't running nowhere. With that shoe or with this brace? I'm not running anywhere. I'm walking a lot more, a lot more slow. I like to run somewhere. But my weakness says I can't run. My weakness says I'm going to put that brace on there. I can't bend my ankle. I can't do what I normally want to do. It's kind of like a big old block there. But you know what? My weakness is strengthened. He's he's wrapped me in his grace. He's wrapped me in his mercy. He's wrapped me. Now, you're right. Those of you that are struggling with lifestyle, those of you that are struggling with all of that, I know you're coming from a place where the preacher told you to do it. And that's what's frustrating you. i got to keep my eyes down because some of you are really smart and you're going to catch my eye and my eyes talk. And when my eyes talk, then you're going to get distracted. So I'm not going to look at anybody. All right? I'm just telling you, I'm keeping my eyes away from everybody in the congregation. So here's the problem, okay? You're aggravated because I keep preaching like I'm preaching, but then I won't get specific. You know why? Because if I get specific right now, you'll have your excuse to leave. So I won't give you your excuse. Because I know God is talking to you. I have no doubt that he's talking to you. And you think it's me. And you want to gussy me up with that preacher who laid down laws and legalism and it was his mechanism or her mechanism for controlling you. Guess what, I ain't that preacher this isn't that church. There's a principle. And once you accept this principle, then God will reveal to you everything you need to know. And the principle is, when you serve Jesus, you're willing to do anything He asks you to do. And if you've got a problem with that principle, You have a problem with that statement, anything he asks you to do. Not anything a human asks you to do, anything he asks you to do. If you have a problem with that, then it's not with me. You've got issues with Jesus, and I'm going to let you and Jesus duke it out. Because when two people are in a boxing ring, the only thing that's going to happen to the third person is get hurt. So I'm not getting in the ring with you. You and Jesus duke that one out. You let me know when you're done throwing your slugs. Because I'm not getting hit by you, and I'm certainly not getting hit by him. I'm sorry that out of convenience and out of laziness, previous experiences have just simply told you what to do and didn't teach you why. We don't do that here. I'm sorry that they didn't give you time to take ownership of it yourself. We're going to give you all the time in the world. That's what's frustrating you. Because we keep loving you. And ignoring you when you keep coming after us, trying to figure out, okay, preacher, what do I got to do to get into this? What do I got to do to get into that? Love Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do. You say, well, preacher, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not. I don't want to be a preacher. I never did want to be a preacher. My whole life is being a preacher. I've had no interest in being a preacher. I grew up in a preacher's home. You all have an opinion about what kind of house I live in, what kind of car I drive, what kind of suits I wear. You have an opinion about how I raise my kids. You have an opinion about everything in my life. You've also been around enough to know my personality. My personality is to tell everybody, take a long walk off a short pier. (laughs) And yet as a preacher, I ain't allowed to do that. I got to love you. I got to hug your neck. I got to shake your hand. I got to let you blather on about your opinion about what I do and act like I care. So I'm sorry I'm not feeling it that Jesus comes up and says, hey, you got a weakness there. Let me put a brace on it. Well, Jesus, I, I can't I can't move the way I like to move. You're, you're messing with my mojo. you mess messing. You're, you're, excuse me. Sorry. He's been messing with my mojo the whole my whole life. So I'm not feeling real empathetic about the fact that if you want him to bring his strength to you, it's not happening by him taking away your weakness. It's happening by him adding his strength to you. We are a bunch of broken people walking around with slings and splints and crutches and bandages on our head and all kinds of band-aids all over the place. But oh, there's coming a day when all of that's gonna fall off when he brings this world to an end and suddenly we're made back into the righteousness and holiness that we were meant to be. But that's not now. Sorry. Sorry. You're going to have to wear your, wear your sling. You're going to have to put your splint on. And if you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. And then you're going to blame God. Don't come talking to me because you already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at you, smile, and go, did you wear your splint? I promise you today I'm going to put that shoe back on. I'm telling you. Toya, I'm putting that shoe back on. And that nurse of my wife over there, you too, you'll probably gang up on me. If I twist my ankle in the next two days, see, you should have had that splint on. What's your problem? See, see that head going up and down? What's your problem? See, that's your own fault. Well, ladies and gentlemen, don't yell at me for being a pastor. You show back up and you ain't put the splint of holiness on. Don't come walking to me and tell me why your life's a mess. I'm going to look at you and do just like she did. See, you should have put your splint on. What's your problem? You risked it. God's not trying to hurt you. God's not trying to control you. God's trying to save you. Put on Christ. Robe yourself in him. Put his attitudes, put his spirit, put his way of living into your life. Live according to his word. Gene, if you'd come. See, I want the weakness of my flesh to be taken away. See, I can't even walk upstairs right. Can't bend my ankle. If I had my shoes, I could have looked like I could have faked it through. But also stand risk of hurting myself. Middle of the night. I went to bed. I didn't have the sermon for this morning. I have a sermon that's been percolating in my head. I really want to preach it. I'm looking forward to when I can preach it. But, but I wanted to preach that, but I just kind of felt in the spirit. No, that's not it. So I went to bed, and I don't know what time I do a sleep diary thing. I can look at somebody probably about five, six. Middle of my sleep, I know I'm weird. God started speaking to me. Now I know y'all are looking for the spiritual man of God that, oh, he woke with his eyes bright open, wide open, got down beside the bed, travailed, interceded before God, then went downstairs and spent two hours crafting the sermon and praying before God to bring this to you that's not what I did I laid there first of all I thought oh that's a really good sermon in my sleep fog mind I said oh that's really good but I don't know where all those scriptures are and I'm bound to forget it when I wake up but man God I'm really tired so I went back to sleep Then he brought more of it to me. And I'm like, oh, man, now I got to wake up early because normally she gets up at 8 o'clock. I don't get up till 8.15. I snooze for an extra 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to use that 15 minutes to go find those scriptures because he he gave me thoughts. He gave me words, but I I didn't know where they were and I didn't know how they fit together. And so, oh, man, now I got to lose 15 minutes of sleep. All right, well, I'm going back to sleep. So I went back to sleep. Those last two hours, I don't know how much I slept or how much, it's just the thoughts were running through my head as I, as I slept. I was sound asleep, but also the thoughts were running through my head. So you got to understand something. I love you dearly. I do care more about what you think about me than I let on. I don't care as much as most of you want me to, but I do care more than I let on. But if God going to speak to me in the middle of my sleep, if God going to plant those thoughts in the middle of my sleep, if he's going to do all that, I'm going to give you what he gave me. Put on Christ, give me my title slide guys. Put on Christ, bottom line, put on Christ. Whatever that means, however that works, put on Christ. If he could descend from glory and take upon him the form of a serpent, servant and be made in the likeness of humanity and to go to a Roman cross and die there, <clears throat> you can put on your splint. You can let his strength operate in the midst of your weakness. Stop focusing on the weakness and trust the strength. See, the reason I can walk a little bit better right here is because I don't have to focus on my weakness because I know that strength is going to take care of me. That splint's got me. It's, it's, it's in there. It's tight. And boy, it's constraint. It makes my foot sweat. And it, it, it I can't bend my ankle. And there's some there's some problems with it. There's some constraints with it, but with it also comes the ability that it's firm. What my ankle can't provide, it does. What my weakness has taken away from me, it puts back to me. Some of you are really long, and I I, I know I make fun of you a little bit, and I I do all the wrong stuff. Dr. Payton doesn't know how I pastor a church, and frankly, I don't know either, to be honest with you, But, but somehow I do, because you know I love you. Some of you are crying out to God and saying, God, please make me whole. I brought you His answer today. Your wholeness is not coming through you. It's coming through what He adds to you. Stop fighting it. I know somebody else has used it to abuse you. But we're not. And down in the depths of your heart, you know this. But you're afraid. Please feel my love. Please feel his love for you. And don't run from his strength. Let him put on you that which will add to you wholeness. Let him bandage you and package you up so that you can make it to heaven. And when we stand upon the throne room, we walk upon the streets of gold, everything will be all right. I won't have weak ankles then. I won't have my sins and my temptations and my brokenness because Jesus will have made it all better. But between now and then, My grace is sufficient. Put me on. Because in the midst of your weakness, my strength will help you. I'm done. This altar's open. Would you come and pray? Would you talk?